0: Good morning everybody. Jeff and I have been anticipating really eagerly, anticipating this Sunday for quite a few weeks now. It's almost like uh, that whole experience of Christmas where you've got something you want to make known and uh, you just got to wait and uh, that's what we've been doing uh, for quite a few weeks. We're excited for today because we believe that what we're about to do this morning really marks the beginning of what could be a historic time in the life of Brookside. I've uh, had the privilege of being able to be a part of this wonderful church family for 34 years and Jeff has had 14 years to experience this and we both know that there is so much for which we can be thankful for as a church. But perhaps more than anything else is for us to be able to look back at every defining time in the life of our church and see without any question God's incredible faithfulness over and over again.
1: You know, we do. We believe that uh, we're at a a really crucial point and uh, we're so excited to talk to you this morning about it. It's really, we believe it's going to be a historic time for Brookside. And so to give you a little bit more information about that, we want to dive into some of the details just with an overview video for you. So go ahead and just take a look at the screens.
0: Over the last two years, together with our staff and elders, Jeff and I have been praying about Brookside's future. As we prayed and talked and planned, we sense God's leading Brookside into a new and exciting initiative.
1: We're excited about this new initiative called For the City and what it's going to mean for the church in the years to come, and we can't wait to unpack it for you.
0: I've served with Brookside and been a part of this city for 34 years. At first glance, Omaha is a city of smiling faces, neat city blocks, in tidy suburbs. It has a strong economy, good schools, sports arenas. Most people would agree, it's a great place to put down roots and raise a family.
1: It also reveals a different story, a story that's like most cities, a story of loneliness and spiritual longing. It reveals the story of people searching for meaning and significance. It reveals the story of broken dreams, of unfulfilled promises. Yet in the midst of it all, God calls His people by His grace. He calls His church to be right in the center of the solution. He calls His church to be a city on a hill and a light to the city.
0: A conservative estimate tells us that roughly 675,000 people in Omaha do not have a church they call home. That's nearly 80% of our city.
1: It's apparent throughout the scriptures that all people matter to God. As we think about this initiative, we're challenged by two specific passages. The first one is in Jeremiah chapter 29. God is speaking to his people that have been called out, they've been exiled, and God calls them to stay in the city. He tells them to be a blessing to it. He tells them to serve it, to love it, and to pray for the needs of the city.
0: There's a second verse that inspires us is found in Luke 19. There we see Jesus weeping for the city of Jerusalem. He's weeping because he knows that the people in it are without ease. Because we're sensitive to the things God cares for, we want to be for our city. We want to partner with God to bring redemption and healing to his creation. To accomplish this, we're taking on an initiative. We're calling for the city. This initiative is comprised
1: of three projects. The first project is to open a clothing center for kids in need. This will be a new space on our Millard campus that will provide clothing for kids who are in the foster care system. As the ministry expands then, we'd love to be able to serve other families in our community who have financial struggles. The second project is to expand our current
0: facility. We know that we need to provide an environment that's more welcoming to every person who walks through our doors. To do this, we'd like to create a large lobby just inside our west entrance. A place that's large enough for people to engage in meaningful conversation. A place where people are able to connect relationally.
1: The third part of this initiative is for us to open a second campus. This is a step in us moving towards those who do not yet have a church home. As we move closer to their neighborhoods, they are more likely to consider giving church a try.
0: Imagine a church that engages the broken.
1: Imagine a place that's
0: accessible to the hurting and to those who are seeking deeper meaning for their lives. Imagine a group of believers who are connecting with their neighbors and inviting them into a life of
1: redemption and transformation. As followers of Christ, we feel called to provide the resources needed to be that light to the city. That is why we've developed a plan to establish the first of a network of campuses in Omaha. As followers of Christ, we're called to be the light to the world. So we feel called as a church to provide the resources in order to be that light. Through intentionally placed campuses, we'll be able to duplicate the DNA. We'll be able to duplicate the passion and the love of the mission of Brookside to meet people where they're at. It's true about the unchurched that it's more likely, if they're invited by a neighbor, it's more likely for them to accept that invitation if they live close to that campus. And so it makes sense for us as a church to look with compassion on the city and to desire to put a network of campuses in order to help people be reached for Christ. Each campus will have its own
0: campus pastor to provide leadership and shepherding. It will also have a worship pastor and a children's ministry team. Messages will be broadcast live from the Millard campus. Brooksideers at each new site will experience the same small group ministry and of course, the same opportunity to be involved in ministry both within our own church and in our city
1: and globally. The key component to all of this is our people. By neighbor reaching neighbor and friend reaching friend, we'll be able to spread the gospel of Christ faster and broader. Our desire is to see committed brooksiders worshiping in their own communities and inviting their neighbors to do the same.
0: God cares deeply for people, both those who know Him personally and those who are far from Him. We want to share God's love, both for our neighbors and for our city.
1: Our hope is that these three projects will bring light to a city in need as we help people find and follow Jesus. Individually and as a church, we're on an exciting journey as we're learning to live for the city.
0: Well, we're, we're very excited about all three of these projects. And Jeff's going to talk this morning and unpack uh, the multi-site for us. But I'm sure that, and we know that, you're going to have a lot of questions. And so we've done two things. As you leave this morning, we're going to give you a packet of information. And you want to be uh, be sure and pick that up. And then we've created a new website for this, which is uh, Brooksideforthecity.net, where you can go on and you can, uh, you're can you going to be able to find a lot of answers to the questions that you have.
1: You know, this initiative for the city, we're going to take about four weeks uh, to unpack it for you, um, but we want to let you know that this really is what we hope will be a, a, an initiative that's going to last uh, for years and years to come, and is really going to impact our church right to the core, so it's going to be a long-term thing.
0: You know, it's impossible, really, to talk about any one of Brookside's uh, historic and defining times without without emphasizing the importance of prayer. And as I look back, I'm absolutely convinced that everything that we've accomplished as a church really comes down to the fact that we have sought God in prayer. I think of of seeking God's guidance and and seeking God in prayer, depending upon God's wisdom and and God's strength and and everything that God's provided. If I had the time this morning, I could give you one example after another as I look back over 34 years where where we see how true this really is. I mean, the property that this building is sitting on is a, is a great example of that. I, I go back to, all the way back to the 80s and all the driving around this city that we did and searching and searching for property and praying and, and asking God to guide us, never expecting, never even thinking that this would be the place that God would land us to have, which now as we look back, we just go, it couldn't have been any better than God providing this property for us as a church. And so we want to you know, stop the, the emphasis that we have on prayer as a church. And so as part of these four weeks, and really beyond these four weeks, we're asking you to pray this very simple prayer. That, uh, and, and you're going you, to hear about this over and over again, where we can, each one of us can pray, Father, show me what step of faith I can take, To live for the city for our city for the city of Omaha thanks everybody
1: you know one of the things that um, we want to do with this as we think about just the impact that that we can have with prayer is we really want to uh, cover the entire city in prayer and uh, you guys we know that we can actually do that quite literally and so we're going to kind of do this in kind of a fun way as you came in this morning you might have noticed that there's a big map on the wall and you'll see it as you exit this morning And what we want to do is we do want to cover the entire city in prayer. So here's what this looks like for us, Brookside. We want to send you out as you, you know, during the week, whenever you uh, find time to do this, we want you to go to a location, maybe a place that you don't travel to very often. We want you to pray in your car. You can get out of your car, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, You can go with a friend. You can go with your family, maybe your small group, whatever. But when you're done then, we want you to get out your phone, snap a selfie, and you can, through Instagram, you can uh, send that to us or through email, and you'll get information about that in the packet when you you leave today. But what we're gonna do then is we're just gonna put that little picture up on that wall and we're gonna see as the weeks go on that we, church, we are covering the city in prayer. And that's going to be a, a pretty fun thing for us to do. Also want to let you know that we're going to have a special family-friendly prayer event. And that's going to be on October the 28th. And that's going to be right in here. And uh, so want to invite you back to that. That's going to be a, a significant night for us so, as well. Again, we just we believe that God answers prayer. And so we want to bathe this whole thing in prayer and just say, God, would you show up and would you do a great work? So <laughs> right now, would you join Steve and I? And, and I'm just going to um, pray for as we launch into this initiative. Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful to be at this point, Father. We thank you so much for who you are, Lord. And we do, Lord. We sing this morning that you are so, so good and so, so worthy. And so, Lord, we we lay these big plans, these big dreams before you. And God, we just say that simple prayer. We say, Lord, would you show us what step of faith we can take as we live for our city? Mm. Please, oh God, please direct us. Please lead us. Lord, we lay these plans before you. We love you. We thank you that you love your church. We're so grateful for that. And so guide us this morning, we pray. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
2: Hey, uh, guys, do you mind if I – so we're all about – actually, stay up here one second. We're all about equipping the church to do the things that we ask you to do. So I've got four selfie sticks uh, for folks in the audience (laughs) because the first selfie challenge is – here. This one is for you. See, yes, exactly, yep. All right, this one is for Bob, okay, yeah. And if you want to give it away, you can. All right, this one is for uh, Danita, right there. Yep, I see you, yeah. Not you, but two, no, <laughs> no. Just kidding, Danita, go for it. And then <laughs> last one is uh, for someone, whoever's fastest in this, in this group. All right, so come get your selfie sticks because selfie sticks um, are gonna, guys, <laughs> right, good job, Bivin. Um Let's uh, let's try to break the internet, uh, okay? So I'm gonna take a selfie of me and uh, Jeff and Steve. Oh yeah. Okay. And we'll have you and the logo in the background. This is. Yeah, there this, we go. Yeah, this is weird. But just give, give us a second. All right, first time with a selfie stick ever. Oh, it's backwards. Anyway, all right. <laughs> ready? One, two, three. Come on, take it. Did it do it? No, it didn't do it. Watch. You ready? Oh, yeah. yeah that's works, the worst yeah. selfie ever. All right. So, uh, Thanks, use those selfie sticks and do the prayer challenge. It'll be really fun to see um, uh, just kind of where everyone goes and where everyone prays. Uh, you know, Stephen Jeff alluded to it, and it really is our heart as a staff. And um, really, I think as a church, that the reason why we'd even embark on something like this is because we want to see people's lives being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's just no, we're a church, that's so what we do. And we love the fact that this can enable that to happen more and more. In fact, there's got uh, two stories of faith this morning, first uh, one this hour and one next hour, um, two stories of faith being um, uh, shown through baptism. So take a look at the screens and uh, celebrate this changed life.
3: For a lot of my life, I was pretty lonely. And I may not have realized it then, but there was a void in my life that only God could fill. I tried throwing myself into work, sometimes working up to three jobs at once, but that wasn't enough. And then I got involved in the wrong crowd and partied pretty hard for several years. And towards the end of my partying days, I actually end up in a really unhealthy relationship and wound up pregnant. And when I was five months pregnant, the decision was made that the biological father was not going to be involved. That's when it really sunk in that I wasn't going to be able to do this alone, physically or mentally, and that's when I turned to God. I first asked Jesus into my heart when I was six, shortly after my dad was saved. Um, Obviously, my life went down a little different path, though, but there was always something that pulled me back. I started going to church when I got pregnant. I was visiting Brookside, and I was attending regularly once my son was born. Even though I'd heard the gospel a couple times, I just thought that going to church was a means to get into heaven, it just hadn't clicked yet. I decided to go to Zambia with Brookside and that's when we were actually training and going over the gospel and that's when the light bulb went on over my head and I understood what the gospel meant. I understood that you could have a living relationship with God right here, right now. I remember that day I went around asking my dad and mom if they had heard about this and of course they did, but I just wanted to tell everyone I saw because it finally made sense to me and I understood why Jesus was such a big deal. Now there is clarity in my life, I know my purpose and I know that I always have someone to go to in the good, the bad and the in between times and I'm not lost or lonely anymore. It is a bit of an adjustment. It can be a little challenging because before I lived my life for me and now I live my life for the Lord. I want to be baptized because the Lord really put it on my heart that this was the next step for me and I just wanted to make a public announcement that I've dedicated my life to Jesus.
1: morning again everybody, it's great, to, it's great to see you, thanks Heather and uh, yeah fantastic job guys. Um, well I was thinking this week and um, uh, really these last several months about this, um, this whole idea of a defining moment, you know, you ever had one of these in your life, it's, it's one of those moments that you look back on and, and maybe at the time it didn't seem incredibly significant but you look back on it and you say, wow, the impact that that, that moment, that that season had in my life, it's, it's incredible. You ever had any of these? Can you, can you think of any, any come to mind that you would say, wow, when, we, when I went through that, at that season in my life, or when I made that decision, that was a defining moment that has had huge significance that shaped me for a long, long time. You know, it was a defining moment 34 years ago when our founding pastor, Steve, and his wife, Becky, When they took a bold step of faith leaving some great opportunities in another state yet they're sensing god's leading to omaha their first gathering was a defining moment it took place in a living room imagine just try to picture it i've been trying for for months imagine it they're in a living room with five other families and they prayed for the city and they dreamed about what god might do and and they sacrificed and And they did it because they believed that God had a plan for people in the city, and they had been changed by the grace of God themselves. And so they wanted to share that grace with as many other people as they possibly could. And so they prayed big prayers, and they stepped into the unknown, and they they took a hold of courage, and they just watched as God moved. Months later, the first service took place. It was at Cather Elementary just a couple of miles from here. It's a defining moment. Just imagine being there on that first Sunday morning. I'm so grateful for that first group. Aren't you? (laughs) That group grew to the point then that they, they left the school and in 1983, they began meeting at the Woodhaven Center at 160th and West Center Road. And as people gathered and as God continued to answer prayers and, and as people continued to pray for their neighbors and their friends and their faith became stretched but yet strengthened because they were seeing the hand of God at work and they were seeing their friends and their family coming to know Christ, God continued to do something incredible. One day this week over lunch, I sat in the parking lot over at the first location over at Cather Elementary. And I sat there and I prayed about the future of, of, of Brookside. And, and as I did, I, I tried to imagine, what was it like that first Sunday? What was it like those first months, those pioneering, risk-filled months, when when people were, and I just tried to picture, what was it like when people were streaming into the building and they were coming out and they had, had an encounter with God, many for the first time, what was it like? And as I did that, I not only prayed about the future, but boy, I tell you what, I sure thanked God for the past. I thank God for what he's so wonderfully done. Looking back, I gotta tell you, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Becky. You guys, you you walked with bold faith and you said, you know what? We've got a burden to see this city come to know Christ. The gospel had impacted their hearts and they said, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. No way. We want to spread it. And so they stood back and they watched God move. It was another defining moment as the church moved to Millard North. And then in 1986, this land was purchased. And I'll tell you what, and Steve alluded to it a little bit earlier, what a God story. Isn't that cool to look at? (laughs) It's amazing. About three years later, the first structure was built on this land, and it was ready for the first service. People found Christ, and they continued to share the love and the grace of God, one defining moment after another. You keep going in the life of the church. You get to the year and and there was another defining moment, this part of the building that we're sitting in was built and more and more people's lives were changed and, and all along the way the church kept doing this, they kept praying bold prayers. And they kept saying, God, what would you have us do? God, would you lay it on our hearts that we would really have a burden and a passion for the city? And so they prayed for their neighbors. And what's true about the defining moments that they experienced is that they were backed by courage, they were backed by bold faith, and they were backed by hanging on, clinging to the fact that the God of the universe loves people, and that he died for people and he wants all people to know him, that he looks at people and he knows every person will spend eternity somewhere. So our God says, I love people. If you look through the lens of history, you'll see that there are defining moments all over the place. Our church has had its significant defining moments along the way. Read through the scriptures and you see it as well, defining moment after defining moment, example after example, that to this day we look back on those examples and we say, whoa, look at that, and it shapes us, it shapes this generation of people. This week I was just thinking through different defining moments in the scriptures, and And I was drawn to the book of Acts, you know, the story of the early church. What an exciting book to read through. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it was a defining moment when Jesus stood before his his, uh, core group. And this is after his resurrection. And he gave them this defining moment statement. He said this in Acts 1, 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What he was saying was this, the message that I've given you, he's saying, you're going to go and you're going to take it and you're going to take it um, to Jerusalem and Judea and then Samaria and then, oh, you're not going to stop there. You're not going to sit on it at that point. He said, no, 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 you're going to take it to the ends of the world. That was a defining moment. Fast forward in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against this early church and, and in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So think about this. The church is gathering. They're hearing the message. They're being changed by God. But what happens? Persecution comes in. This was a defining moment because the question at hand was this. In the face of trial, will the gospel be squelched or will the gospel flourish? And what happened? It says, oh, they, they took the gospel, and as they were persecuted and as they fled, they didn't keep it to themselves. They spread. They preached the word of God. And then there's another defining moment, Acts chapter 13. It says this. It says, uh, yeah, let's go to that next one. It says, yeah, while they were worshiping in the Lord and the Lord fasting, it says that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This was a huge defining moment because what's happening here is this was a sending moment. This was a moment when they were going to send out Paul and Barnabas. And from this moment, you know what the Apostle Paul would do? He would travel thousands and thousands of miles taking the gospel to places that it had never been taken before. Think about this, how significant that moment was. By the year 300 A.D., 50% of the cities in the the Greco-Roman world were Christians. And here we are today, and what's happening? The gospel, it is alive and it is well. That was a huge defining moment. And each one of these defining moments, and if you look at the Brookside's defining moments, this would be true as well, the motivation was all the same. The exact same motivation. It was always people. Any defining moment of significance in the scriptures, it has to do with people. When Jesus willingly suffered and died, what did he have on his mind? He had the healing, he had the redemption of people on his mind. When the gospel spread and and they faced challenges, what kept them going? What kept them from saying, you know what, we'll just play it safe? What kept them going? It was people, it was the thought of people that would run through their minds, when Brookside began 34 years ago, it began because our city is full of people, people that the God of the universe deeply loves. And so our mission is very clear. We want to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. It's all about people. You know, for many of you, I was having fun thinking about this this week, it was a defining moment for you when somebody came into your life and they began to share Christ with you. They, they looked at your life and they said, wow, you know what, I've experienced the gospel. Jesus has changed me. I want you to experience the love and the grace of the God of the universe who knows, who knows you. And that was a defining moment for you. In 2008, Brookside had another defining moment. That year, many of you would remember, we did this experience. It was called Step Into Africa. And it, it, uh, it gave us a taste of what life is like in an incredibly under-resourced part of the world. Months later then, as a church, we set this goal. We said, let's raise $25,000 so that we can help these orphaned kids. And you blew that out of the water, raising over $134,000. So as a result, the Hope Center for Kids in Zambia was launched, a center that... It's designed for these orphan children. It provides basic things like, like good food and water, but also the gospel to these incredible young children. Since it's launch, get this, each year, 50 orphans are getting a hot meal and they're also getting an education, which is nothing insignificant in their world. On top of that, get this, 50 pastors have been trained effectively to lead and to raise up the next generation church. That was a defining season for us as a church. We look back on that now eight years ago, and there's no doubt about it. At the DNA level, God did something beautiful in our church. God broke our hearts for a group of people that he would allow us to help on the other side of the world. What a privilege for us. In this initiative, in this initiative for the city, what we're doing is We're saying Brookside, we're saying, God, we're laying Brookside before you, and we're saying, Lord, would you allow this to be yet another defining season? Would you allow this to be a season where we're going to look back in years and we're going to say, Whoa, that was filled with these only God moments, these moments where we look and we say, Oh, only God could have done that. The dream behind all of this is that God would use this local church to deeply impact our city so that 5, 10, 15 years from now we're telling the God stories of what he did as a result of it. How God turned up the heat on our desire to love and to bless and to serve and to care for and to live for our city. We want it to be set at Brookside by somebody out in the community. It's fun when this happens now, but we want to hear it more and more but we want just some random person out in the community to say, oh, Brookside, I know someone from Brookside. You know what I know about that church? They are so extravagantly trying to bless the city unconditionally. They're relentless in their pursuit of trying to be a blessing to the city. And so this initiative, it is all about people. It's about people in our city that we know our Heavenly Father loves deeply. You know, last weekend, Brad did a phenomenal job teaching through the Old Testament book of Jonah, and from it, the message was very clear coming out of that book, and it's that, that when God looks at a city, God sees people, and when God sees people, God expresses his love because God dearly loves people. Multiple times, though, during this account, through this book of, in, in Jonah's life, we see that, that God said, hey, I'm, Jonah, I'm going to give you a very specific task, and he says, I want you to go to what he called the great city of Nineveh. And, and I want you to, 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 to preach, I want you to speak up because these people are living so blatantly wrong and, and far from me. And instead of that, though Jonah said, not, I don't even want to be a part of that, I would, I would rather, he said, I would actually rather die than to see that city turn toward God. But finally he speaks up and he goes to the city and he speaks up and, 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 and shares with them and what do you know, what do they do? They turn to God. And you would think that that would have brought Jonah a great deal of joy on that day, but it didn't, it didn't at all. And so you get to the very end of the book, and God gives this little object lesson to Jonah. He provides this plant that gives Jonah shade and relief from the hot sun. It makes Jonah very comfortable. The next day, God brings a worm, though, and he eats the plant, and ultimately the plant withers and dies. This makes Jonah very, very angry. And then God, it's a perfect setup to drive home his point. And then it says this, verse 10, it says, but the Lord said, so Jonah's angry, you have been concerned about this plant, this thing that gave you comfort, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And, you, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who, do, who cannot tell their right hand from their left what God was making so very clear in this passage was this, is that God cares deeply for people, and he was saying, Jonah, how can you just be so concerned about your comfort? Jonah, why are you so worried about this plant that I actually made that provided for you? He said, "No, no I, I want you to worry about people. I want you to be concerned about them. I jotted this question down as Brad was speaking last week. It's like the Lord just spoke this into me. Figuratively speaking, I jotted this down. What plants in my life are more important to me than people? It's convicting. What gets in the way, kind of a follow-up question, what gets in the way of me fully embracing God's heart for his most prized possession? People. The story of Jonah, it's really this incredible story of God's love for people. We see another powerful example of this in Luke chapter 19. Jesus is, he's making this journey to the city of Jerusalem and, and as Jesus is approaching the city, the city is seeing unprecedented amounts of tension. Because Jesus has attracted thousands of people by this time, yet the religious leaders are feeling very threatened, and so they're saying, hey, how can we put an end to Jesus? And so Jesus, as he's traveling in, the tension is high, and it says this in in Luke 19, it says, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Imagine this. Blessed is the king, they shouted, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees, though, in the crowd, they said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, meaning I'm going to be worshipped. And as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city then, he wept over it. And he said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Imagine for a second that you're invited to a huge event. It's in a big arena. And you go to this event and, and you're there because of the keynote speaker. Everyone is there because of the keynote speaker. When, Je- when Jesus came into Jerusalem, they were there for him. They, they, they were there to celebrate him. That's why they were doing what they were doing. But imagine you're in this arena and you're waiting for the keynote speaker and, and it's a big name. And so finally, the keynote speaker comes into this big arena, walks down the center aisle, and the crowd is just just cheering, just going crazy for him. And he walks up finally up onto stage, and he turns around, and before he begins to speak, he looks up at the balcony, and he sees that the balcony is full of people. He sees that the mezzanine is jam-packed full of people, that the main floor, that there's not an empty seat in the house. And imagine the keynote speaker at that time, instead of speaking, he just begins to cry. And he cries, and he cries, and he cries. That day, there in the middle of the road, as Jesus saw the great city of Jerusalem, as the multitudes gathered to see him, they watched him cry. But not just a few shedding of tears, they watched the Savior of the world weep. And Jesus was weeping because he knew that the spiritual condition of the people in Jerusalem, it wasn't right, that they were far from him. One writer put it like this, the tears of Christ measure the value of your soul. John 3, 17 says this, God didn't send his his son into the world to condemn it, but he he sent his son into the world to save it. Jesus looks at the city and he goes, oh, my heart breaks. There were 40,000 people in the city of Jerusalem at that time. His heart broke for it. I think it makes us ask this question this morning. When God sees Omaha, when he sees the whole city, what goes through his mind? What does it do to his heart? If you take as You heard in that video, you take the Omaha metro population, it was recently in the paper, it was updated to about a million people. If you take the number of churches that are in the area, in the metro, and then the national attendance averages of those churches, and you subtract that out on the very, very conservative side, You're left with 675,000 people in our city that do not have a church experience. Did you run into a traffic jam this morning coming out of your neighborhood? Probably not. Think about that for a second. 675,000 people in our city. Picture this stadium. Picture our stadium filled eight times. Picture it side by side, filled, overflowing with people. People who don't know the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, church, God, we pray, we just ask you, Lord, would you burden our heart for this city? Church, know this, we are the sent ones. We are the Jonas. God would say to us, he would say, hey, take your defining moment. Take the gospel to people. Your city, when I look at your city, when I look at Omaha, I think God would say to us, my heart breaks for it. I want people to know and to experience the love of, of Christ. And one of the things that we know about the 675,000 in our city is they're more likely to receive an invitation to come to a church if that church is within a 10-minute driving radius, 10-minute distance from their home. And it just makes sense. The further that you have to drive to something, the less familiar you are with that area of town, and the less likely that you're going to go to it. It's, just, it's, a, it's an obvious roadblock. It's kind of, you can think of it like this, it makes sense that you go to the target or you go to the the, the grocery store that is in the the neighborhood area where you live. The idea of a multi-site is it does this, it takes um, a church and it duplicates itself so that it can reach another part of the city where people live. It's the church going to the people. About three years ago, we began to ask this question, we said, how can we impact our city? How can we continue to extend our, our influence in the city? And we began praying and asking God, and, and, and we, we really felt like the Lord was leading us to this place where we would say, okay, wow, could we be a church that we would have multiple locations that were going to the city, that our heart is breaking for the city, that there would be multiple locations where Brookside could be? So 10 to 15 years ago, you could have said this, this whole idea of a multi-site You could have said it's kind of an experiment, but as it's kind of played out nowadays, today there are over 8,000 churches that have multiple locations, and here's what they're doing. They're effectively reaching people for Christ. Now I know, and and Steve and I know this, we won't be able to answer every question up here this morning, but we do want to give you some of the information. We want to help you kind of understand how we've gotten to this place, and then you'll get a, a bunch of information as you leave that'll help as well. But let me begin with this. When you think about this other site that we'll be launching, think of it as a duplication of the experience that you have here. Um, There will be a live campus pastor, there'll be a live worship pastor, a live children's team. We're going to duplicate the experience that you have here on a Sunday morning from host to parking lot, you name it, it's going to be the same kind of an experience. We'll pipe in the teaching live. As you dig into the multi-site, you can can see that it's really good stewardship of resources. But one of the key things about it, and one of the reasons why it's potentially as successful as it has been around the country, is because a multi-site launches strong. So in our case, we would be looking to say 250 to 300 people would go and they would launch this site. So on day one, that's a pretty significant group. It's a strong gathering of people. You know, for many of you, you would say, wow, this campus, this represents maybe the place where you met Christ. You might say, wow, this, man, I know all the people here. I love this campus. This is the place where you would say, man, my family go, whatever it would be. You would say, proudly, and this is a good thing. You would say, this is my church. What we want to do is this. We want to go to another part of the city, and we want to create that same thing. So a whole other group of people can say proudly, oh, yeah, identify with that place. That's my church. So I want to do this. I want to show you some of the research that, that has gone into this whole thing so far. So first we began to look at in our city. Let me just show you this first map. We began to look at our city, and, and we said, okay, where? This is Brookside right here, the little bee there. You kind of look on both screens, and, and you'll figure out your way through this. Um, we began to ask the question, okay, where are people coming from that are currently attending Brookside? And so we began to see, okay, we're very strong through here, but we're also, we're also strong down in here. We're strong up in here. Again, the thing that's uh, significant about the multi-site is that it, it launches strong. So the darker the orange, the more concentrated um, where people are coming from that currently attend this campus. Again, we wanted to look, though, well beyond, at least north of 10 minutes away, okay, okay? So the next map shows this. Um, this is the initial area where we're beginning to consider putting our first campus. So again, this is Brookside. So you got Harrison to Pacific Street, uh, 180th Street to 204th Street. Again, it's, it's at least 10 minutes away. Um, it's in a part of the city. As you know, the city Omaha is rapidly growing to the south. Omaha is also rapidly growing to the west. Again, what is this about? This is all about people. And so we have a few different options with this. We're beginning to look into this particular area of the city, and we want to financially see this multi-site effort, this part of the For the City initiative. There's three parts. But we want to see this part of it with a million and a half dollars, which will allow us to do a couple of things. It gives us some options. One, we could go into a school. Uh, We could do that. Or we could look and we could say, is there an existing commercial building where we could go in and do renovations and begin to meet there that we'd maybe buy or lease that. that?" Or we're saying, hey, maybe there would even be a piece of land that God would open a unique door and and we'd be able to secure a piece of land. If you're familiar with 204th Street, that's just on the edge of this, this line here on the rectangle here. You know that 204th Street is an incredible street connecting Elkhorn uh, to Gretna, Elkhorn in the north, Gretna in the south, but yet plenty far from the center of Omaha, plenty far from Brookside. So I tell you what, when we began to look at the city and saw where our people were coming from, this 204th Street, we just sensed, man, that just kept coming to mind and it's like there's been this huge draw and we think maybe that's a God thing. And so we took our staff, and we'd taken our elders out there, and we've just said, God, and we've stood in a circle on some property just north of Harrison Street on 204th, and we said, God, would you do the same thing that you did 34 years ago? God, would you give us a defining moment? God, God, God would you open up doors to reach people that we can't even, we can't even imagine? It was so fun, this last week. Christine and I and our, our, our little kids, we went out there with Steve and Becky and we just stood about in that same spot and we joined hands and we just said, God, would you open a unique door? God, this would be such, it seems like such a strategic place. I mean, it, it just seems like, why, God, why wouldn't you want to put a thriving campus, a thriving church in this part of, in this part of the city? And so I tell you that because I'm asking you to pray. We believe that prayer is powerful. And so I would invite you, would you pray that God would open some unique doors for us? We're just following God as much as we can see that he's providing, and we're just kind of walking with him. And so would you pray that God would open up one door after another again, so that we'll look back 5, 10, 15 years from now, and we'll say, that was a season. Oh, that was a defining moment for Brookside when God did what only he could do. I was unpacking all this for a gal in our church, and And she said, man, my daughter lives out in that area that you're talking about. And she said she doesn't know God. And she said, This then this was meaningful to me, and I want to share it with you. She said, Thank you for doing this. She said, Thank you for not just kind of staying, you know, together and safe. She said, Thank you for taking a step because she would be more likely to accept my invitation if it was in her neighborhood. That's what it's all about. It's about us caring for people. In John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says that Jesus didn't simply die for our sins, but he died for the sins of the whole world. In the book of John, after his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples. They're overjoyed, the text says, to see him. But this is how fast he set this up. Jesus said first to them, he said, peace be with you. Boom. The next thing he said to them, and he said, "Is as the Father has sent me, he said, so I am sending you. Wow. You know? And so I want to leave you with this. This is the application for this morning. You're going to get one of these little uh, circle things when, when, you, um, when you walk out today, and it'll be in the bag of information that you'll get. But what it says on it is this it says, My Five for the City, right here at the top. Yeah, you can see it up there. And, um, and this is going to give you an opportunity to, to write down the names of five people, five people in your life that God has put in your path, people in this city that don't know Christ, that God could use you to be a blessing to them. So this is just a very practical way for you to say, okay, God, who are the people in my life that I could be a blessing to? And so then there's some, some ways that you can think about this. There's the, the acronym there. It starts with this. It begins with prayer, okay? So B, begin with prayer. Begin ask God. Pray every day, God, would you give me an opportunity? God, I pray for this person. The next one says this. It's L, is listen. Listen to their story. Don't talk. Just Listen. Just get to know them. And then eat. That's my favorite one. You know, eat a meal with them. Grab a coffee. Hear their story. Spend time with this person. Again, practical way that you can begin to be a blessing to another person. The first S is this is serve them. After you've listened, after you've prayed, after you've ate with them, you'll know how to serve them. And then the last S is this. It's the story. Share your story. Share your story of how God has changed your life. Share the story of the gospel with them. You know, what's interesting to me is this. Jake, the guy who led me to Christ, he did all of these things repeatedly. I was just thinking about that this week. And so the thing that you can do then with this is you kind of take the back off of this and and then it just goes on your mirror. It's one of these, it's called a cling. And so then that thing just sticks on your mirror. And um, we would encourage you, put that on your bathroom mirror while you see it every day. And my challenge to you is this. Every day this coming week, would you just say, God, would you help me do one of these things for one of these people? Every single day, one of these things for one of these people. If you lead a group, you could say to your group, hey, Who did you bless this week? Ask that of your group. Who did you bless this week? Is there anybody that you, who who did you pray for, listen to, eat with, serve? Who did you share your story with? I think this is going to be a powerful tool for us, church, because it's going to put the minds of people in our lives, but it's also going to help us know, hey, I could do that. That's not that that hard. And then I think we're going to stand back and we're going to go, wow, it's all about people, and God, you're allowing me to have an impact in the lives of people. So why are we doing all this? Why are we doing this multi-site? I mean, it's huge. Why are we going to open this care center? You're going to hear a ton about that next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then why are we looking at this current campus and saying, how can we expand this campus so that it better meets the area, this area of the city? Why are we doing it all? It's all about people. It's all about people. So I want to close with this. I'm just going to pray pray this uh, this simple prayer that that we're going to pray throughout this series. So would you pray with me, and then Steve and Rob are going to come up. So pray with me. Father, we just want to say to you this morning, as we begin this initiative, we pray that it would be a defining time for our church, and Lord, now we just pray this simple prayer. Father, would you show us what step of faith we can take to live for this city? Lord, we love you, and we pray in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Jeff. This morning I have um, so many emotions going through myself. Um, in fact, a little bit hard for me to even concentrate and think about what I want to say, even though I've thought it through very carefully. When I think back 34 years ago, and Beck and I came here to Omaha and we met with the five couples, I've got to be honest with you, The I think uh, Jeff is so right, each one of us have our own plant in our life, or plants, like Jonah. And the thing I wrestled with, and I think Becky would say both of us, is the idea of starting something with just five couples and all the uncertainty that comes with that. And we especially struggle with that because at the same time, we had another church in Wisconsin that had approaches that was very secure very established. And so we actually drove out of Omaha saying to each other, no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> and then God really spoke very intensely to us and pulled us back here. So we came. And there's a, a part of me that looks back and is like thankful for the nativity of youth, you know, 30 years old and not really thinking of all the possibilities of everything that could go wrong, you know, and, but I can, I can just tell you this morning how grateful I am to God for the people through the life of this church for 34 years. People who faithfully served and faithfully given financially, done it with generosity, done it with personal sacrifice, done it year after year after year after year. So, I mean, it's just amazing for me to now be able to look back and, and realize. That we have made or exceeded the budget of this church 32 of our 34 years. This is absolutely incredible. And then to think that we've gone from a church that had no property, no building, to what we've got right now. Amazing. It's, it's because of God. It's because of the faithfulness of God. But it's, it's also because of men and women who, who said, you know what, I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to be generous. At this point in my life. So not only did they continue to give to meet the budget of our church that we you know it's something you absolutely have to meet every year but for a period of two years or three years they dug even deeper and they gave beyond that they gave above and beyond what they were regularly already giving. And so here we are today In a place like this, it's so amazing. With the great opportunity that God's given us to to serve this city and serve individual people. You know, the last time we did this was in 1998 and in the year 2000. And back then that people looked at it. I, we, I stood in front of a, of a group of people just like I am now. And and said, so this is what we got to do, everybody. If, this, if we're going to make this happen, each one of us have to commit ourselves for another period of time, two years, three years, to give this away. And people did it. It's amazing. I remember, I remember thinking, how is it, how's it even possible that we're going to be able to do something that is a $7.4 million project? And yet we did it. By the grace of God and the faithfulness of people. Now here we are again. And here I am again, you know, standing in front of a group of people who I know love God and, and love and care for other people. And I'm going to be making the, I'm making the same ask this morning as I've done many times through the history of our church. For each one of us, once again, to say, God, I'm willing to even go beyond what I'm already giving for a period of three years to make this kind of a commitment. So on Sunday, November 8th, you're going to be getting a a card. And it looks like this. And I'm not going to explain that card this morning. You'll see it when you you get it. And uh, what we're going to be asking you to do on Sunday, November 8th, I'm going to ask you now to begin praying as an individual or as a couple, as a family. Begin praying what God would have you do to give over and above what you're already giving to Brookside to make possible for us to achieve this really, this new adventure, new challenge, new defining moment, really something that will be historic for us as a church. So that, that's what I'm bringing in front of you. Jeff and I are bringing in front of you today and will for the, for the next few weeks. And uh, looking at my, <laughs> yeah, Rob. Yeah, that's it.
2: Okay. Uh, some, some final things um, uh, before you leave. Uh, on your way out, um, you'll be getting a bag, and in that bag is a booklet. Uh, it has a lot of information um, in it that uh, really will help answer a lot of the questions that you may have. Um, also, don't forget to go to brooksideforthecity.net, it's a, a great site. Um, as you're doing your prayer selfie challenge thing, um, those will be posted on the uh, BrooksideForTheCity.net um, and also just kind of in social media. Um, but uh, don't want you to forget um, that, uh, you know, prayer is just such yeah. a huge yeah. part of this, such a huge part of this. So, um, so really do the prayer selfie thing, but then even just beyond that, um, you know, commit uh, yourself to prayer for this. Uh, we've got t-shirts for the city t-shirts. They're three bucks, uh, so it's like cheaper than Old Navy, and uh, (laughs) which that's hard to do actually. Uh, So they're they're for sale sort of around the building. Just a fun time uh, here for Brookside, and uh, in the bag you will find that my five for the city cling. There's one of them. If you need an extra one, there's some sitting on tables, and you can grab those. Um, Yeah, Steve, do you want to close us in prayer this morning?
0: Let's stand together, all right, everybody, and. And as I pray right now, you just pray with all your heart with me, will you? We, just like we did 34 years ago, you know, two of us with five couples. And we, we dug deep in prayer. And uh, this is something we can do, everybody, because God is so faithful. God is, God is so good. And I look at the number of people that we have as a church. We can do it can do it. Let's just pray, right? Father, I, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love for each one of us here this morning. Father, we could all, each one of us, we could tell our own story of how you reached into our lives and you drew us to yourself. And Father, you've given us You've given us peace. You've given us wisdom and guidance. You've given us strength. You've given us joy. You've filled our life with purpose and meaning. And God, you have have blessed us in so many ways. So God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would work within each one of us and strengthen in us your love for people. Father, help us to see people in the same way you saw people in the city of Nineveh. You knew their number. You said 120 people. You do not know their right hand from their left. God, help us be like you. Help us look at our city and see those 675,000 people. That we know. Do not have a relationship with you. God, give us your love. For those people. they They're our next-door neighbor. They're the people we work with. They're a friend at school. Father, they're around us everywhere. May we have your love for them. And may we pray this prayer, God, that you would show us, each one of us, how we can take that step of faith and how we can live for this city, for our city as we live for you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, everybody. Get your bag as you go out this morning, all right?